Hey everybody, it's Josh here, and I just wanted to take a quick minute before the show gets started to just tell everyone that's listening, thank you. Any way in any manner in which you consume this, whether it's downloading, listening on YouTube, liking our Instagram posts, following us on there, going to the website and clicking it. However, that mechanism is that you choose to consume the content that we produce. I just wanted to say thanks. And on behalf of myself, obviously, and everyone here at Game Rage, we all thank you because knowing that you're out there and you're listening. And if we can just entertain one person, then really that makes all the blood, sweat, tears, everything we put into this worth it. And I know I'm sounding like a martyr right now, but I just wanted to show our appreciation, I suppose. And also to, you know, just remind everyone to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Game Rage Magazine and to follow us on Twitter and X or slash X at Game Rage Mag. And to also visit our website, www.gameragemagazine.com. And again, thank you from everyone here and myself at Game Rage from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you for listening. So you want to listen to a pretty all right podcast about wrestling, do ya? Well, the natural lad, Jet Swag, has said time and time again that there's only one podcast that's the most decent and the most all right in the industry today. And that's who? It's the Game Rage Wrestling Podcast. There's a charm to it. There, there is a charm to it. Anyways, all right. Well, welcome here to the episode one, the, the inaugural. The inaug- yeah, I was going to get to that. The renog- inaugural episode one Game Rage Wrestling Podcast redo because uh, we did a whole long fucking form introduction and it fucking got lost in the archives. It's fucking in the ether. It's gone. Never to be recovered. So here we are like six weeks fucking later. No, maybe longer than that. Maybe like 11, 10 weeks later trying to fucking just do it again. So uh, we're just going to do our best to just talk about ourselves. And this introduction episode is just to get you to have an idea about who we are in terms of what we like in wrestling and our our fandom and how we kind of became wrestling fans so anyways my name is josh uh i guess because you fucking wouldn't know if you listened to this the first fucking time so my name is josh i'm one of the hosts here and i'm here along with frank Hello. and also here with adam howdy and yeah so let's uh let's just start with uh how, how you guys started in, in watching wrestling adam go, go right or frank you want to go i'm just it was the popular thing at my school and um all my friends were into it, so I decided to take a look, to start watching it, and I got hooked. Okay, Adam. Uh, cousins, I think cousins would always usually have um, either like the pay per views or yeah. Monday Night Raw was like mm. uh, the thing to watch, and uh, you know I, I don't remember when it happened, but one thing that is deeply embedded in my mind for wrestling, uh-huh. like from my very from a very young age, is like. Mankind being thrown over, the, the cage, like yeah, yeah I know, we, cell, I know yeah. we're kind of rehashing this, but like that shit just stands out to me as like one of the greatest moments. Iconic, of, yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're rehashing it amongst ourselves, but I mean, other people haven't heard this yet. So, um, for me, it's pretty much the exact opposite of both of you, as as we've talked about. It, no one, I didn't know anybody who knew wrestling. I didn't know anyone when I first started getting getting into it. I was like five. Um, basically I saw, I think I saw a commercial for Monday Night Raw and was, Oh, what's this? And ended up watching, started, started watching it in the, in the early nineties when it first kind of came out and it slowly progressed over there to watching WCW, to watching NWA, ECW, to just to watching multiple different types of wrestling and to New Japan, to Lucha Libre, all kinds of stuff, and then essentially, I didn't. I never told. I was the. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't. 
I, every every kid that I ever saw previously that was a wrestling fan got made fun of, and they were basically ridiculed, and they were, you know, oh, you watch that wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And so I just kept it to myself and enjoyed it alone with no one. And when I was in third grade, that's when I met the first people that I had essentially become friends with because of wrestling they were they were the first i mean frank is an example of a friend that essentially i became friends with initially because of wrestling because it was just something in passing that we just happened to do or see and then that's how it got started so that's kind of how it got started with these these guys and they were real big into they had a lot of cousins from you know the midwest and all over the place and so they would you know they would trade tapes and so we would we would trade. Uh, fucking leave him alone, man. He's getting tangled up. Um, Trying to do. What is this tangle on? Get here. We go. All right. So th- we would trade tapes and stuff, and we would uh, basically just kind of. So I got started to see ECW and all that, all that type of stuff. So. I just got fucking distracted, but uh, anyway, so that's kind of how I got started in watching wrestling and. What did you guys have a favorite uh, time period of what you you liked the best of wrestling, Frank? I guess the ruthless aggression era. Ruthless aggression, which was you know the the two thousand two ish to (laughs) what like two thousand eight maybe. Yeah, yeah. That was a good time. I'd probably say somewhere similar along the lines because as much as I remember being a young child watching wrestling and. like I remember the nineties and stuff, but like there's just some things like I have lapses in memory in. Yeah. Uh but like ruthless aggression is something that uh I definitely remember kind of They've been it, it, at, they were playing in their piss, so there's a shit ton of it. They were all ticket turns in there. Whatever. So he went all over in it, so that's why he's trying to get it off of him. I, I don't believe that. Because the, the it's undisturbed right there. It's just a pile. It would be all everywhere I, if they I were was, rolling in it. I was literally watching. I'm telling you, that's not what happened. So, anyways, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, so, anyways, the ruthless ugh, ruthless aggression period is probably one that I knew at pretty at pretty good length. Uh-huh. But um, uh, I do remember some some of the stuff from the '90s. But it's like really like the hallmark stuff that you would remember yeah, as, yeah. A, as a fan. But right. you know, in in great detail, what I know. Um, all the storylines from the nineties, not not probably not. So, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess for me, it would probably be it's it's got to be that Attitude Era, man. That that ninety seven to two thousand ish era, and and for me, it was because I also watched WCW, so I wasn't just a WWF viewer. So those were the two those companies were both hot at that time, and they had the best storylines going on, and I just. I don't know. I just fucking loved it. I do love the, a close, a close second, and maybe even possibly tied is that ECW. No, no, no. That ruthless, <laughs> that ruthless aggression era of WWE. Because I mean, I love Evolution, man. And I Evolution is a mystery. Oh yeah, man. That, that I love that fucking theme song. It's so good, dude. The like, group was just so fucking good, man. They worked yeah. as as heels just so fucking perfectly together, and. Really, it intro- I mean, it introduced you know Batista and Randy Orton, two greats that that went, they went to become greatness on their own, you know, outside of Evolution. And it was cool to see Flair and Triple H, you know, doing that and kind of taking those guys under their wing, you know, metaphorically or whatever you want to call it. And even if it is just storyline, you know, those dudes still got to learn and hang out with them and be around. Two basically legends, living legends. Ironically, Batista being older than Triple H, so yeah. like <laughs> him kind of being taken under the wing is such a weird situation. Yeah. That that is true. That is true. But uh, yeah, I, I I love that that time period too. So th- those that, that but the NWO and then the I it guess, wasn't even just the main event stuff. It was just shit from top to bottom. It was like the cruiserweight. It was oh, the man. cruiserweight matches, like the cruiserweight yeah. matches. Um, like Tajiri, fucking Jamie Noble, uh, Ray Mysterio for a long time was kind of like a hallmark of the cruiserweight division. Fucking yeah. Spike Dudley. Yep. <laughs> fucking Billy Kidman. Fucking. But even like the mid card stuff, like Matt Hardy. Mm-hmm. Fucking um, Matt Hardy. Like Edge was 
you know, Chris Jericho yeah. for, for right. like a long time was in that icy title scene. Fucking even the U.S. title stuff was interesting, dude. When yeah. Kurt Angle was like U.S. champion and he was the person that vetted John Cena like. Yeah, yeah. For, the, for like the open challenge that he would do for like the U.S. title. Yeah, uh, dude, from top to bottom, like it was just fucking stellar. Like great programming from top to bottom. And I can't say that's the case for, I can't say that's the case for Raw or SmackDown for both of them. Like uh-huh. now, but right? Yeah, like, definitely not. It's kind of sp- like there's spots. Spotty. Yeah, yeah, it's it's spotty, yeah. And yeah, it's it's. I think it's kind of. I'm not. Tr- I'm not trying to turn this into one of those. Oh, I grew up in the fucking uh, ruthless right. and like attitude era, so I know better about wrestling. Right, that's not it. Like, I think there's better things that are done now than than back then. Back, yeah, back and back I yet. agree. I do think that that things have evolved, and some a lot of the things that have evolved have evolved for the better. You know, as opposed to them evolving for the worse. But uh, yeah. I, I, and I'm not, and by no means am I trying to say that, oh, this, this was the best definitive era or whatever. It, it, this is just my fucking opinion. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, yeah, do you, you look back at it with rose colored glasses. I mean, I went back, you know, whatever fucking a month or two ago when I had the, the, the stupid, that's COVID and was like quarantining myself. I literally, for some reason, I don't know why, I just started watching old, old fucking videos or old shit on the network or old Peacock, I guess now. Yeah. I just started watching old Raws on there for some reason and just going through it just with, at the beginnings of when, when the DX thing was first starting and, and whatnot. And man, it's some of that shit was bad and you was, go back. It was AIDS. Yeah, it was, it was, it was deadly, dude. It, it had, it was, it was, some of it was real garbage and a lot of the, it, it didn't even really start to get good until like you could see it starting to form and you're just kind of like oh, okay back when i was a kid man i thought oh man this is so cool this is, oh man they said ass and fuck oh man this is awesome but just watching it yeah it's kind of eh. like the like the what was it <clears throat> Shawn michaels handing the european title to triple h like he just lied <laughs> yeah uh was it like triple h running between the yeah. ropes back and forth yeah yeah like an <laughs> asshole and then just literally just laying on top of him and then yeah counting the three and then when i when i saw that originally i was like holy shit they got sergeants they got that mother they got that motherfucker they beat him they fucking beat him at his own game he thought he was fucking them and then they fucking took off their fucking pants and were wearing fucking thongs or whatever at, at the thing to piss him off even for yeah. even even harder but I just thought, oh man, they got him. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, they got him good. He's what a piece of shit. And then now watching it back, it's just like, oh man, that was kind of weak. You know, that was they could have done something better than 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 that. But it, it, like it, at the time though, that was what was that was good. Yeah. And obviously, seeing shit that's happened since then, that oh man, they could have done this or they could have done something better like this, like that. You know, looking at it back with uh, you know hindsight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you can see that, but. But some of the just just generally just some of the some of the promos were just terrible. You know? Weren't you shitting on Bret Hart? Like, oh uh, yeah, man. I used I mean, to not to say that Bret Hart isn't a great in ring yeah. wrestler. Oh yeah, but, uh, you were saying that, I, like the promos were AIDS. Yeah, man. I used to think I used to think that Bret Hart was was good. I thought I used to think he was good at everything, and not to say that he isn't a good wrestler because yeah, he is good in the ring. But man, he just fucking would ramble, and and he, they would all him and the whole Hart Foundation would literally just look at each other as if fucking they didn't know what they were talking about they were just yeah and this and then that and and yeah fuck that guy too and and then they'd just look around at each other and hear you talk and then they'd go yeah and and Owen Hart would literally say the same thing 15 times in a row and just fucking keep repeating himself and then literally wait for someone to take the microphone from him he's like guys I don't know what else to say so I'm gonna keep saying how Stone Cold is is a cripple and he's a cripple and yeah I crippled him and he's a cripple I'm I'm a crippler I cripple people I do crippling things uh, uh, and he's like literally looking around like hey uh, do one of you guys want to grab this microphone from me because I am just You're standing out. here yeah, yeah I, I'm out of ideas and, and yeah a lot of it was real bad and it was but did he have would you say like the one moment that he had uh the montreal screw job because he did kind of cut like he did shoot on vince mcmahon in like the wwe saying like oh you guys fucked me over like you you said i wouldn't fucking lose the title in my fucking my home show yeah. whatever and then it, it was kind of like convincing and it was like it looked like it came from the heart and like yeah. oh there, there's there's a moment where he was kind of uh you know 
had a had a uh, a hallmark moment for for a promo or whatever. If it was in fact like it wasn't just him fucking attacking Vince McMahon or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So the, the, he had his moments. I mean, it's not like it was all bad. But gen- in general, speaking from from Monday Night Raw to Monday Night Raw, I mean, they were generally not that great. And a lot of the promos that happened were generally not that good. In gen- I mean, some of them were fucking hilarious. I mean, there's there is an episode that. I mean, it's in the past for us, but it's in the future for you. You listening that we do talk about some of those, and they're they're fucking. Some of them are hilarious, and they. I don't know if they necessarily quote unquote hold up if that's the right term because some of them are you're just kind of oh, well. Hold on, you couldn't get away with this today, that's for sure. But it, they are funny as shit. Yeah, there was one. Uh, what's that guy's name? Guy's name that would do the hoe train. Oh, the Godfather? Godfather? The Godfather. So I don't know what the context was because the Undertaker was out mm-hmm. in the ring with him. And then, like, Godfather is telling him, he's like, everybody knows that you, he's talking, he's pointing at fucking yeah, Undertaker, yeah. he's like, that you love hoes. And, like, <laughs> it was, I think it was to try to break him in the fucking ring, like, yeah. you know, to corpse or whatever. But I don't, you know, Undertaker being the professional that he is didn't. Didn't collapse. Didn't crack, yeah. yeah, didn't crack. But I don't know what the context of why they were both in the fucking ring was. But yeah, it was just a interesting thing. That's funny. Um, so uh, favorite. What's what's your guys' favorite uh, wrestlers uh, over the years? Uh, well, I think I I hate to say it, but I think Frank, Frank and I oh, yeah, would you agree on do agree on one or two top wrestlers for ourselves. But um, mm-hmm. my, speaking for mine. Speaking for myself, as somebody that grew up in the ruthless aggression area, and yeah. I think it probably would have been so much richer if I was familiar with like WCW to see Eddie Guerrero yeah, yeah. coming up through the ranks and like tag teaming with like Chris Jericho or um, you know wrestling against like Rey Mysterio and shit and all, all that shit. Like it, it would have been so much more rewarding to know all that information in hindsight. Uh, but him winning like the WWE Championship at No Way Out, especially like a pay-per-view like that, it feels like a throwaway yeah. when you don't see like title change. Well, not, not, that, not that you would expect a title change uh, within like those pay-per-views between the big four. Right. But it happened and it was like, oh, holy shit. Like this is, this is where like it, f- you knew wrestling wasn't real, right? Right, yeah. But for me, like that was kind of a moment where like, oh shit, like we're finally getting what like what I want. Like I, what I wanted to see. I'm like, oh, I'm invested now. Like I yeah. Yeah. And what's funny about that too is it's it was the one right before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that, okay, going into WrestleMania, you've got this champion, he's you know, your strong champion, you're gonna keep him through, and then you're gonna drop the title at WrestleMania. But then to to take the title off of him in a surprise fashion Right before WrestleMania, I mean that—that that was not even given a rematch. Yeah, and he instantly even, went into a, a feud with Goldberg after that. Yeah, that's true. That didn't really go anywhere. It didn't go anywhere, and it wasn't cool. But <laughs> but it was cool for like Brock Lesnar to have like this mo- like to have that moment where it seemed like insurmountable odds for Eddie Guerrero yeah. because. Brock Lesnar was sold as the next big thing, and I, I don't know if he was the beast at that point because he yeah, was pushed at that. Yeah. But uh, he was a very threatening figure in the WWE. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it just looked like one of those David versus Goliath matches, and like, oh, this is just a pay per view. It was like a throwaway right. moment. Like Eddie Guerrero is not going to win, and then he fucking won. And it was like, oh, holy shit! Now, and the WrestleMania twenty comes along, and you're like, oh fuck! Well, that match was good. Kurt Angle versus fucking Eddie Guerrero is just going to be just as awesome. Right? Yeah, and it was. Yeah, and, and and it was. Yeah, and yeah, and and to see Eddie Guerrero, I mean, I I got to watch him, you know, when he was in WCW. And yeah, some of the fucking matches he had there with you know Ultimo Dragon and fucking Psychosis and fucking La Parka and shit, man. Some yeah, of those. He was a cruiserweight in WCW. Right? Yeah, he was. He was just a straight up cruiserweight. Yeah, he did not get to do anything else. I mean, I think he might have been a, a tag team wrestler for a little bit too, but yeah, he didn't. He didn't wrestle for any kind of like heavyweight title. He was not anywhere considered near. But in spite of his size, because he, he got bigger, like. As the years went on, oh yeah, you can yeah, definitely he became see a change. heavyweight in the WWE. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, like if weight class really were a thing, the WWE, he actually did upclass himself. But yeah. I mean, remember when freaking Jimmy Noble and they were able to fight for the world heavyweight title? So that that term no longer meant it didn't anything. mean anything. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. Like 
the reason that I liked Eddie Guerrero so much is not just because he's Mexican or whatever, and the fact that... Oh, shit. Oh, good. All right, well, hopefully we don't, we don't run out of juice here. Um, the other reason that I liked Eddie Guerrero in general was the fact that he kind of... Uh, he was able to adapt to all styles of wrestling. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, dude, he, like, he was just complimentary to everybody. He can... You can plug and play that dude everywhere. Like, just versatile wrestler. He can do um, the luchador stuff, but he could also do, like, the power, like, the, the power yeah. stuff. Yeah, power and technical. Yeah. So that's, that's to me, why I... But Chris Benoit, I mean, I know, I know all that shit about him killing his family, but, like, I'm going to put that aside for the sake of... Yeah. We're, we're talking about wrestling itself. I'm like, yes, what he did was just horrendous, and that's fucked up, and, like, yeah. we, we all know that. We all know that. But Chris Benoit was also somebody that I really enjoyed watching wrestling. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that, too. And, yes, I, I to preface this, this all, yeah, we obviously what he did was bad. It was fucked up. And, and we're not defending him. We're like, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. I get what WWE was doing at the time when they were just trying to basically delete him from fucking history because, oh, man, we don't want this bad fucking negativity against us. Yeah. But I think... In because I mean they would literally delete off of like the DVDs and shit and off of any digital thing they would delete whole matches with his ass like you couldn't fucking find him anywhere for a while. Yeah. Now I think it's been slow long. They're they're back on there. They're they haven't really edited them out like that. Yeah. Uh, just because I mean yeah, unfortunately, regardless of what happened, I mean you know he 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 was a good wrestler. I mean he did contribute a lot. I feel like to wrestling in general. Yeah. And wrestle. I mean, obviously, me and Frank, one of our favorite pay per views of all time. I mean, WrestleMania twenty. Yeah, the, them two having being champions at the same time and coming from where they came from, man, that shit was just fucking. I'll, I'll also add that <coughs> this isn't even a title match, but there's a match between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, and I don't know if they were like going at it because they were trying to outdo one another, like mm-hmm. literally, like well, they were gonna we're end up fist two. fighting. Yeah. Um, but there's a match. It's just a regular fucking match yeah. between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, and it's fucking good. Like you gotta look it up. I, yeah, I don't remember which. One, yeah, it was what I'm saying it's the two, at the time, the two most technical wrestlers going against each other. So it, it had to be good. Yeah. Like, see, that's the thing about technical and like technical and um, Lucha Libre style wrestling. When two people who are good at it go against each other, it's fucking magic. But when two power wrestlers go at it, it's like it's boring. It's like Neanderthals, like yeah, beating. I each mean, if you if you even notice that kind of goes across the 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 media form, like in MMA and boxing, it's more about the welterweights and stuff like that that people enjoy watching more. The acrobat, like the the fast movers, and yeah, like Muhammad, like Muhammad Ali was a heavyweight, but he fought like he, a, yeah, he moved, yeah, and like. I mean, the last time I thought I was... The last time I see people massively interested in a heavyweight fight involved Mike Tyson. And again, that fool didn't move like a heavyweight. But like I said, like, I've also noticed that in, like, in that same aspect of wrestling, power, power versus power wrestling is boring. It's boring, yeah. Like, dude, yeah. I wonder, because I haven't seen WrestleMania... Is it three that's Andre the Giant versus Hogan, or is it yeah, one? Yeah, that's, yeah, no, it's three. Okay. I know that that is like a pivotal moment in wrestling history because it's just like a David and Goliath moment. Right, yeah. And it's cool because like it's influenced pop culture in general. Like yeah. the two staring at each other like Andre the Giant towering over Hulk Hogan looking right. down and then Hulk Hogan looking up. Because like, uh, like, something I enjoy is uh, Street Fighter and yeah. in the third iteration of the game, the third, third game uh, or the third iteration of the franchise... There's these two characters, one being Hugo, who is an homage to Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And when they made the new protagonist for Street Fighter, Alex, he's based on Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And within like the match itself, if you get if you were playing as either Hugo or Alex, when you encountered the other character, they had that moment in oh, uh, that's like cool. that WrestleMania three moment. Yeah. But as for the match itself, like have you seen it? And yeah. like what'd you, oh, yeah. what'd you think watched about it? it? Yeah, I watched it. So so personally is it, it boring? Yeah, it, it, okay, objectively, yes. If you are, if you didn't, let's say you didn't know who either guy was, it's fucking boring. However, the only way that that power versus power works is when you have a spectacle behind it. Yeah. So, Andre the Giant, is okay, yeah. 
is a spectacle, and Hulk Hogan is also, even at the time, was a spectacle, and the two had never faced before. So no one knew what was going to happen. And so, yeah, watching them be kind of slow and fucking lumbering, it was a very much a, oh, Andre does some offense, everybody boos. Then Hogan does some offense, and then everybody's like, oh, fuck yeah, and then all but Andre does some... So it was very back and forth. Like It's like watching a game of slow pong. The only thing that I remember that was like a real highlight is because of the fact that when Hogan scoop slam. Bought, like, yeah, he, he scoop slammed right. Andre the Giant, and it was like, oh, holy shit, he mm. fucking lifted the fat motherfucker. Well, not the fat motherfucker. Right, right? the like, big motherfucker. The big motherfucker, yeah. yeah. And and when, when that was the moment that's the iconic moment that's in everything, right? And so... That's the only moment of the match or one of the moments of the match that's exciting because watching it objectively, yeah, it's boring. But if you had the hype going into it and everything, okay, like the look at The Rock and Hogan for WrestleMania 18, right? That match, if you really if you really look at it, it's not that great Wait, technically. Between who? Between Hogan and The Rock at okay, WrestleMania okay, 18. Yeah, yeah. From a technical standpoint. It, it was whatever. It, it's it's not that great. It I, I, I think I see your point because... Well, I'll let you uh, go ahead. In terms it. of the technical wrestling itself, right? Hogan, he's, his, skill, he's old, his moveset he's, is boring he's, as he's, fuck, dude. Right. Like, well, he's old. Like, he's limited. He's he's got injuries. Big boot. Yep. Fucking leg big drops. Boot, leg drop. Doing the fucking go to the ear to see what everybody's saying, right? Okay. But it was the spectacle of we've never seen The Rock versus Hogan, the two biggest fucking stars of their era. We've never seen them wrestle each other. And granted, The Rock arguably was in his prime during this, and Hogan was definitely not. And The Rock kind of wrestled around Hogan. However, it was very slow. It was almost reminiscent of the Andre and Hogan match, or except with the major difference being the hype behind it. And it was... Heavy, heavy, heavy. It was that match was all hype, and the match was was amazing. The storytelling, like because of the storytelling of how they told the story during the match, the wrestling moves themselves. They they did like seven moves, garbage. Okay, if you really look at it, but that's not what that match was meant to be. That match was not meant to be a technical masterpiece of a match. It was meant to be a spectacle of these two giants of the industry, these icons or whatever. It was, I think the tagline was icon versus icon, right? Yeah, yeah. That these two icons going against each other and the way they did it, the audience was he- the audience made the fucking match, to be honest with you. If the audience wasn't into it, it probably wouldn't have been as, I wouldn't remember it or it wouldn't have been as good. But because the audience was so fucking into it, and every time somebody, because it was literally split 50 50, it was some from The Rock, some were for Hogan. And when Hogan would do some moves, you'd, be, you'd get that some kind of whatever, booze and some yays, and then booze and then yays. And then, and then eventually one started to take over the other, where Hogan started to get more, more cheers than The Rock. And then The Rock kind of looks around and goes, like, What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And him playing into that, though, was it was all part of the fucking spectacle of it. Yeah. So was that planned? Like, if, if it was. You can never plan around the audience. I don't think that. No, I don't think that was planned. Because, like, Hogan going. He basically went face yeah. within the match. That right. was planned. Yeah. 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 But, like, the audience accepting Hogan before that moment mm. was not planned. Like, you can't plan around the audience because. We saw what happened with Roman Reigns when they first tried to push him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even get, even using The Rock and the, that did nothing. So you can't predict the audience. You can only you can only create a scenario and hope that the audience buys it. Yeah, because that shit was wild. It's like because uh, I don't know if, up until that point The Rock was not. I don't know if he was liked, but he was part of the NWO and what was like kind of you mean Hogan? Consensus. Hogan, yeah, yeah. Hogan. What was the consensus like at that po- up until that point? Like he was not well, liked. Right? He was, he was like they were liked in the sense that they were NWO. Yeah. yeah. So so when it so the, in the terms of the storyline, okay, because WCW had been gone for a few years at this point when he came, when he came back and yeah, yeah. The, their contracts just finally ran out mm. from WCW from Turner, Turner having to pay them. Yeah. So once that happened, that opened the door for them to come in and, and do <laughs> shit. So in terms of the storyline, Vince was pissed because of. Ric Flair owned half the company at that point because after the whole invasion angle with Shane and Stephanie, Ric Flair bought their shares of the WWF. So he owned like half the company essentially is, is how it was in the storyline. So Vince did not like that. So he was trying to get rid. He said he's if he finally was like uh, the, the big promo was he said, ah, I'm going to. I'm going to kill my own creation. I'm not going to let somebody else kill it. I'm going to do it. And so he says, yeah, I'm going to inject a lethal dose of poison into the WWF. And, he, and then he's sitting in this chair. It's all black and white, the whole promo. And then he, he literally, he's like, I'm going to kill 
the WWF. And he's like, yeah, and it's going to be me. And then he turns around in the chair because you think you're looking at him the whole time, but it turns out you were looking at him in a mirror. And he turns around to actually face the camera. And then you see on the back of his chair, it's written NWO. And he says, me and the N. W. And then and then that's and then they come out at ironically how funny they come out at No Way Out 2002 and it's like NWO because it's No Way Out so oh man they fucking come out and they come out to fucking thunderous applause and is that the is that was that uh, the No Way like did No Way Out involve it was like a yield sign and there was trucks. Yeah. Was that the one? Like, that was the it, one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that that, that was that pay-per-view yeah. set up. Right? That's, right. I, that's one thing that I miss, man, is like mm, yeah. set pieces for fucking each yeah. individual pay-per-view. It yeah. wasn't just one thing. Cutting cutter. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not the same it's as it looks same. on it's Raw. The they just put on some fucking different graphics yeah. and then call it a day. Yeah, I do miss that, man. They, they used to have some good ones. But uh, anyway, yeah, but back then, yeah, he came out. He was, he was, he was, they were, they were, they were cheered. And then... And they literally said, oh, we're not here to kill the WWF, blah, blah, blah. They started saying all this shit. And they were like, we're here to make it better for you guys. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And then they literally started doing bad guy shit the whole rest of the night. And then slowly became the heel. And Hogan was booed constantly against The Rock everywhere. Except when at WrestleMania, when they got there, the Canadians love Hogan no matter what. They, because it was in, it was in, I think it was in Toronto, was where uh, 18 was. And yeah, they, they love fucking Hogan no matter what. They will always cheer him regardless of his status as a heel or a face. And that's what they did. They they eventually, they knew that was going to happen though. So in the storyline, that's kind of how, what happened. He, Hogan loses obviously. And then, you know, everybody's, oh, they're giving him the things about, you still got it and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then eventually the NWO turns on him the next week. And then. So one thing I was kind of curious about was like. They turned him in on that show. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Actually, that same yeah, that same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing I was kind of curious about, like mm-hmm. back then, is that they bought they bought WCW Wrestling, right? So yeah. they, they basically acquired all this talent, right? So and did nothing. Well, okay, so technically they didn't acquire any of the talent. So what they did was they they purchased the the tape library. Okay, and they purchased the licensing of everything but they didn't purchase any of the contracts so turner was still required to pay all the wrestlers that were under contract they were required to pay them out through their contracts now if people were contracts were coming that's why you saw some of these guys and this is why the invasion angle was kind of whack because a lot of those guys were under heavy big contracts and they were good for another three or four years so there's no way they were going to come work for the wwf for less money so it, to get, they're just getting paid to stay at home because Turner was obligated to pay their contracts yeah. and the WWF did not have to take them on. So the guys that didn't have big money contracts, those are the guys that went. Okay, so... But anyways, yeah, go ahead. The, well, the, the thing I was getting at was that, because like I said, my, I have a lapse of memory of all that yeah, shit, yeah. but there was no way that those guys... Or like you wouldn't believe that those dudes that used to work for the... the enemy yeah we're ever going to be pushed in like the main event scene like for a majority of those guys and it ended up being that like chris jericho was somebody that came from that and was able to go through well, the ranks but there's it, a but, lot of wrestlers that came from this ECW that were huge in the wwf like yeah, yeah i say chris like Rey jericho Rey mysterio. Rey mysterio the undertaker yeah. um well i guess i was just kind of i guess the main thing being that i i almost can't imagine like anybody coming up from that organization because it's like oh you, you know like it's like any business when you get absorbed like you're assuming you're just gonna get fired or whatever and yet yeah there was people that exceeded what they were gonna potentially do with them like if they were just oh we're, we'll try you out like let's see what you can do for six months and then if you don't do shit then we'll fucking kick you to the curb and you know i'm just kind of surprised that like people like ray mysterio chris jericho uh who else came through there so Gold, goldberg i guess to an extent yeah um so for guys like Mysterio, I guess Ric Flair, Jericho, yeah, I mean Ric Flair was in the WWE. He was the WWF champion in the early nineties. So I mean WCW, like when no, he, well he was in the WWF for a short stint. Yeah, but I mean, so he was there. He did work under them for a while. Um, but the guys like Mysterio and the guys like uh, Jericho, like Jericho came over obviously before the whole thing happened and what, right? what was his status like what was his status like in 
WCW, was he a mid-carder and then he became fucking main event material like when he debuted on Raw? Or they just looked at him and they're like, you kind of got something going, man. Like, we're going we're gonna to have you cut a promo against the fucking Rock. Like, well, that's... In WCW, he was just being underutilized, I felt like. He was he was just a mid-card jobber, essentially. And he started bucking the system by cutting better promos. That was how he was getting noticed, because they weren't really giving him much match time, so he just started fucking cutting promos and doing doing really good on the mic. And so I think when he made the jump to WWF, that's when they said, oh, shit, like, this guy's good at doing the mic work. Why don't we put him against The Rock? Because we don't really have many people that can kind of go toe-to-toe with him. And obviously that that opening promo of his was fucking great against The Rock. I mean, shit, man, how to to debut against The Rock, man? That's fucking. It wasn't even just that. Like it was the fucking countdown that was wild. The whole hype behind him and everything. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was a cool fucking way to introduce him. You know, because it was the year two. It was Y two K. Everybody's scared. Yep, it's Y. He's Y two J. So who knows what the fuck the countdown is going to be? That was that was a cool little gimmick I thought that they had. But yeah, when he was in WCW, I mean, he was just like a mid-card kind of jobber that they weren't really utilizing him for much. And for the, for eventually then for him to become the first undisputed champion after all this, you know, is said and done, I mean, it's pretty fucking wild that... Well, it would make sense. That it had to be someone like him, like him that jumped ship to hold both titles. Well, think about it, though. Who who were the two people that he went against? It was The Rock, the Rock and, Stone and Stone Cold, Cold Steve yeah. Austin. Those were the three guys that were in the running to be this new undisputed champion after the whole invasion angle ended. And you would think that the the obvious choice would have been either The Rock or Stone Cold because, oh, yeah, they've been WWF stalwarts this whole time, you know, fucking for many years. I mean, The Rock especially, he's only been in the WWF. Yeah, Stone Cold was in WCW back in the day, but they, 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 came, they became fucking what was famous. Name? What was his name? Stunning Steve. He was Stunning Steve... Whatever. Something, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then he was part of the Hollywood Blondes with uh, fucking Brian Pillman. Yeah, that shit was wild, dude. Like, you see pictures of him with hair. It's like, yeah, that man, looks it, weird. It, it does, man. It well, does look weird. Do you remember his crazy face when he was doing promos in the basement for ECW? That's all <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. Man. He just did, like, three promos for ECW, and that's it. <laughs> and then he got picked up by the WWF, yeah. But, yeah, fucking, yeah, you're right. It did have to be somebody like that. That was in both sides mm-hmm. to be able to truly be, oh, yeah, I am the undisputed, the first ever undisputed, you know, champion or whatever. You know what else is wild? Mm-hmm. Just just talking about things that, un, I don't know if it's unlikely stories, but it's interesting for Eric Bischoff to be, like, down the road and to be, end up becoming part of uh, Raw to be yeah. the manager, like the general manager. That right. was fucking sweet. I like. I love that dude's theme song. Um, also, Paul Heyman being somebody that was doing commentary for like along with Jim Ross. Yeah, and then eventually becoming a well, he was a manager at one point, right? Yeah, uh, and then he became general manager of SmackDown, and then. Well, he had the whole thing with Brock Lesnar and, of course, like Roman yeah. Reigns. But that's somebody that came from a failing company that ended up working for Vince McMahon. Like, that guy was out of a job. Like, oh, yeah. ECW went under, and um, for him to be in the, what is it, like the creative yeah. division of WWE itself, like, that's, that's, that's something cool. Like, that ended up happening for him when he probably thought he was like, well, this is, this is the end of me, like, altogether. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's one of the things that is interesting about the whole that whole aspect or the whole story of of ECW and, and Paul Heyman is, you know, Paul Heyman was great at fucking telling stories, and that's that's how he. So yeah, maybe he wasn't so good at running a business because obviously of the way they went out, but at the end of the day, if he could tell good stories and the WWF recognized it, and what's funny too is. ECW, he got in with the WWF in in the late nineties, in like ninety seven, ninety eight. They were doing crossovers from whenever they would go to Philly or that general Pennsylvania area. Yeah, they'd have ECW guys would run in and they'd do little things with them. And Vince was doing it to try to kind of help them out a little bit because he they were no threat to him, and he wanted to give them a little publicity. And you know, they sent Jerry Lawler down to ECW pay per views and shit to do you know to fuck around and, and do shit with them. And yeah, you know. Um, that was that's kind of that was kind of cool to see. Like, oh yeah, man, like you're not just some heartless fucking corporation that you're actually here trying to help out the little guy. And you know that well, Paul Heyman was no fucking 
don't want to say he wasn't a slouch in like wrestling because uh, I was listening to an interview with mm-hmm. him, and from a young age he was already working within the music or not the music the the wrestling business yeah. itself. Like from, uh, I guess he was involved with the then an Hawaii family, basically like the Rocks, yeah, the Rock yeah. Romans family, and all that shit from way back in the day mm-hmm. and obviously like working his way up until what he was doing now. But yeah, somebody that was already interested in wrestling at a young age and had his experience at a young age as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very, it's very interesting. And then that there's a, I don't know if it's still around, but it was a DVD back at the time. It was the rise and fall of ECW and man, it was, it, it was, it is one of the better, I mean, the WWE puts on good fucking documentary type shit, but that is one of the best ones I've seen of, of ECW. And Paul Heyman is in it too. And he, you know, goes on to talk about all kinds of stuff. And I have, I learned a lot about just the wrestling business in general, just from watching that and kind of how to apply some of those lessons that he learned to, you know, everyday stuff, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just, it's just crazy to think about, man. He, he is, Paul Heyman is, is a genius. He is one of those genius type dudes when it comes to wrestling creative it was just unfortunate that, you know, he didn't run a business so good. So, you know, that's... I mean, it didn't work out bad for him either. So. No, I mean, he came out ahead, you know, at the end of the day. And quite, quite frankly, a lot of the guys that worked under that worked for him that, you know, he got fucked in the end. I mean, they, they ended up coming out ahead, too, because a lot of those guys, he, he helped get into the, to WWE when, you know, he went over there. So, you know, I mean, eventually, guys kind of made out. I mean, sure, I'm sure there's always some dudes that got fucked and just will never forgive it, but... You know, hey, Paul Heyman, if he can do one thing good, it's fucking, he can, he can make, come up with some good stories and shit, you know? Yeah. Um, so one, one thing, one thing that I've been uh, thinking about recently mm-hmm. that I mentioned to you earlier was yeah. that uh, AEW has been doing post-media scrums. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's good that AEW has been in the mix for like a minute for the last, what is it, five years Yeah, or more. something like that. Because... Uh, Competition creates creativity or yeah. originality, right? Right. And that was the case with like the Monday Night Wars with the WCW right. and Raw. Um, so something that AEW has been doing that resulted in great shit, like the the CM Punk meme with him calling working with fucking children, yeah, and the baked goods, like that was all <laughs> that all came out of like the post media scrum, right? Right. Yeah. So then WWE. WWE wasn't doing that shit yeah at all but it took AEW to do something like that to get the WWE to uh to start incorporating that in their in their content as well so it's like it's just good for the, for the business itself for like the wrestling industry itself to have multiple fucking things cuz WWE itself doesn't have any motivation to fucking innovate or do anything that's cool unless somebody else pushes the envelope. And that's where I think uh, AEW is coming to the fold to... I mean, do they do things perfect? No, I don't think so. But, uh, hey, they're a close second that is uh, pushing the envelope as far as like wrestling goes. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I think that over the last 20 years, the WWE's kind of become lackadaisical and they, they haven't needed they've been lazy they, they haven't needed to create new shit or do anything crazy because they're the only game in town right for the last 20 years so and now they've been bought by fucking what is it whoever the fuck owns the UFC oh or whatever that deal is um yeah I don't remember what the yeah, what the, the merger between yeah. UFC and WWE yeah right yeah but now now that's that's you know that's that's gonna happen so now they're gonna be you know pressed even harder to hey oh we need we need to get some profits now we just paid four billion dollars or whatever the fuck they paid ten billion dollars we need to get some money back so now you guys gotta start pushing the limits here and doing shit and i think we're gonna see a lot of good things come out of that in the sense of it's been just vince making the decisions now it's you know it's like there's there's someone over him now yeah there he he has to report to someone so if shit's not working you know, they're going to be like, hey, man, you need, you need to fucking do something about this. I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about this, but now that there's one company, right, for these two things that exist, mm-hmm. do you think, and I don't know if like we're in the PG era or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. But do you think there's going to be crossovers of wrestlers going into uh, 
like UFC, maybe not so much. How do I word it? Like, if there is a UFC fighter that had a slight interest in even crossing over to like the WWE, you start like teasing things like that mm-hmm. um, by having somebody else from like the WWE showing up to like instigate the fucking dude right. into coming over like those crossover moments like things yeah. like that they did that with Lesnar huh they did that with Lesnar they, well, yeah well Undertaker went to his pay-per-view like event to yeah. issue the challenge to issue a challenge like I wonder if we'll be seeing more things like that and I also wonder since UFC also has moments where like they interview people and it's not something that's filtered right if like does that mean that the WWE is going to loosen up on some of the things that they're doing too? Like they're not like the language that was yeah is it within well, the programming. Like, well, we also got to remember they're, they're under a new ownership now. They're not owned by Vince anymore. He's in charge of them, but there's somebody above him talk, giving him orders now. Yeah, that's what I'm asking though. Like, what, what yeah, do you so think that means for the programming me, for years to come? Like, I think Vince was the poison of the WWE for the last ten years. Yeah, everything Triple H touched showed. Because what had Triple H's influence versus what had Vince's influence, there was a clear... It was night and fucking day. All right, so there's an argument against that right now that everybody's kind of against Triple H. Or there's a developing... Within the communities of mm-hmm. uh, fandom for wrestling, yeah. there's things going on that people are saying, oh, Triple H fucking cut Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch from SummerSlam for the the battle royale and that pissed a lot of people off because they're saying that the women aren't nearly as important to the main event picture or even just like wrestling in general within like the wwe wait wait. so they're saying that triple h was sexist for what he did to those two women i don't know if it was sexist it's just that well that's the that's the that's the message you're giving out right now saying that i don't know if it's because i'm just saying that because uh, it's women uh, and all that stuff no my get is what that's the image uh, i'm getting from you from what people are saying yeah but everything vince did to the women's division was okay so Uh, all of this that vince did okay triple h did this oh he oh he's ruining wwe well I guess the problem was that they were building some type of story leading into SummerSlam, and then for them to cut it was problematic. Again, and Vince never did that. Yeah. Well, that's tunnel vision. You're, you're choosing, you're seeing something change in the WWE, and they're choosing to fight it every inch they get. So they're they're trying to telescope what they don't like, and they're refusing to see it. That that's how it was. That's how it's been in the old WWE as well. Here's your thing, too. Because the Battle Royale or whatever, because that was the match that LA Knight won, right? Yes. Okay, so they cut what would have likely been a lower-tiered viewed match, right? Mm. In in that You don't regard. think people would have interest in seeing Trish Stratus wrestle? I mean, I would, but I don't Cause know. Because that's like more, icon more so, versus icon, dude. Yeah, that, but more so than... The up and comers that we have going now. So now but you got. But Knight is forty years old. Like, dude, he's old. Yeah, yeah, right. Putting, he is. Yeah, but he's and they haven't up, shown. He's 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 up and coming, right? So <sighs> even though he's an old dude, let's just say they within the WWE, DDP was like forty years old when he came into the business. But they haven't shown that he's going to be part of the main event picture either. Right, but well, again, this would have been a great test for. I that. feel like there's there's maybe there this is them setting it up. They're they're getting ready for that to start being maybe L.A. Knight's gonna be the guy who fucking takes the belt off of Roman Reigns when it's time. Fucking, I don't know. Maybe he's the one that gets the push to do it. Maybe that's what they're potentially setting up. Obviously, yeah, like that's what you have to do. You have to set it up subliminally, not um, superliminally, like The Simpsons said. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's you're setting it up to make it look fucking natural and organic, even though you're. But setting then, what it up does that say about Trish Stratus months. and Becky Lynch that they were teasing this, the, you know, this storyline well, for like okay, so many months, just, and then now so, it didn't happen. So that's the thing. You, in, you, five, in five years, do you see Ellie Knight still being able to perform the way he's performing right now? Probably not. Not at all. No, no chance. I don't know, dude. Like the guy, I don't know if he's like in his late thirties or upper or like you know beginning of his forties. But if Flair's taught us anything, age is a number. Maybe I mean even Edge came back and he's like his fifties. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe people are just better athletes and there's better conditioning. I mean, and yeah, like better better workout programs, better health programs to to keep your body in shape and maybe yeah. that's changed a lot. So well, my second question is in five years, do you think Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch can wrestle 
in the same division, in the same league. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Well, here's here's because I don't because I mean I like Trish. I love her. She was great in. But do you ever remember? The only time I ever remember her having memorable, yeah, I can't say that word. Memorable matches was against Lita. Everything else was either. What about Mickey James and um, what's that other woman? Mickey James and you kind of prove my point where you can't even remember the other person. <laughs> I remembered one that still counts. Well, yeah, yeah, but I I think that that whole side of the argument's kind of even just irrelevant. I think that the Main factor is, okay, Becky Lynch... Well, no, I'm just saying, Becky Lynch and, and fucking Trish Stratus, right? They've been teasing it for months. Okay, so what if we... Let's tease it for another month. What's the difference? We're, we're potentially going to set up... They're starting to potentially maybe set up something for WrestleMania of next year with LA Knight, potentially. Okay, cool. This is the beginnings of it right here. Because that's how they do it. They start it in fucking the end... Towards the end of the year before, so... That this maybe this is we're seeing the begin time will tell we'll, we'll know and you know come next year's WrestleMania if I'm correct, but this could be the new this could be the start of the push where he's gonna be taking the title off of him at WrestleMania next year, or maybe even doing something taking another title who who the fuck knows, so they had to make a choice. All right, cool. We only got a certain amount of time. Let's drop this other match and maybe there's another factor going into it that fucking we don't know about. Trish Stratus is, is is also in her late forties or or mid forties or whatever, right? So maybe she's just maybe she's not maybe wasn't up to it for for now. Maybe she needed another month or two to to do something. Maybe there was another extenuate. Becky Lynch is still coming off of having a baby. Maybe she fucking had something go down. Who know, who the fuck knows what other extenuating circumstance could have caused them to make this decision? They could wait till the on next who pay- to cut. They could wait till the next pay per view and. Had that match and it will still draw the right. attention because both yeah. of them's name is still big. It's still, but they're using this chance to try to create LA Knight to have a better name to get ready to get him to the next level. But it doesn't seem the same to have a match at SummerSlam versus, say, No Mercy. Like it doesn't come across the same. Dude, honestly, They're like the big four, like. All right, think it's about a, it's this. A hall, like the hallmark moments, hallmark moments are in the top right. four pay per views, right? But, and yeah. then you push it onto new, No Mercy. You're saying that you don't value that thing the same as. Okay, we're not yeah. saying they're well, going to push it to that paper. We're just saying they're going to push it to another pay per view. Right. But at the same time, if I'm being honest, in the last ten, last couple of years, there's only been all the other red pay per views have been the fucking same, and then there's WrestleMania. Right. WrestleMania is the only one that's, I say, is the only one that matters. All the other pay-per-views are just... Royal Rumble, I guess you could say, is... Yeah. Even then, there's no... um, Not Glisten Glamour. There's no, like... Pageantry? Pageantry to it. It's just... Hey, these 40 guys are going to wrestle. Okay. 10, 9, 8. Okay, the guy's out. Next guy's coming in. It's like, there's no passion for this match anymore. The only time I see people get excited in wrestling these days is for WrestleMania. And again, talking WWE, not. It's for WrestleMania. So to me, all the other pay per views are the same now. They're glorified Raw or SmackDown match um, to me. I mean, there's a point. That, 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 is a, that is a valid point. But back to the thing you were saying about the Becky Lynch thing, right? And the, the Trish Ass match. Look at it this way. If. How many other matches were on the SummerSlam card and what were they, right? They were Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso fighting Roman Reigns in the tribal combat or whatever match, right? Okay, it was Brock Lesnar versus fucking Cody Rhodes. You're not cutting either it was, two things. Well, no, okay, but th- th- that's I'm getting to the point here. So you've got all these big, you got three or four, maybe even five big time quote unquote matches, right? And you 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 you're gonna you're gonna choose between these two maybe lower tier matches, okay? I think Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus deserves to be on a card that that match will be remembered. I think that that match should be on a card that maybe is kind of weak, and they need to up the game of that card. So like, no mercy, sure. This could be the start of their. They've been teasing this for months. This this could just be that. This is going to likely be just the first match in a feud. So to me, it doesn't really matter where it starts. But put it on a card that people are going to remember it more. I think that this card in general for SummerSlam had other shit on it where bigger things were happening. And I felt like 
that also that might have got lost in the shuffle. So that could have been a factor of saying, hey, let's pull this off. Let's dial this back. Let's do something to feature LA Knight because he's got nothing to do. We're going to be starting to push him here soon. Let's let's throw let's just make a battle royal. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. You know. Remember Randy Orton versus Triple H? That match is fucking headliner. It was they built it up, but nobody gave a fuck about it after Undertaker versus fucking Shawn Michaels. So if you you can have an amazing match, but if something else is greater, it's gonna drain the, the audience. So if you don't have and if it's Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. Icon versus Icon again, like The Rock versus... Uh, right, yeah, yeah. You That needs its due. And if you put it against other matches of this caliber, it's gonna, I mean, not going to get its due. I, I agree with Frank, too. I do think that Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch, that is the women's version of essentially Hulk Hogan and The, Hulk Rock, Hogan and the yeah. Rock, right? That's that's what that is. So to me, I don't even think you should waste it on a, on a pay-per-view that doesn't fucking start with wrestle and end with fucking mania. I mean, if you're going to do that match, let's build it up for a whole fucking year and then let's do it right. You know, let's do it at the, the grandest stage of them all. Why waste it on fucking SummerSlam or especially the Royal Rumble? That, or, especially considering that WrestleMania is now a multi-day thing. Because you have to sell the tickets to all year-round events, too. It's right. not just but, WrestleMania. Yeah, 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 but when every pay-per-view is no different than the Raw or SmackDown, you're not putting the production values into it. It's the same as selling a ticket to SmackDown or Raw. You're just selling it at a more expensive rate, and people are still buying it. All right, here's here's the other thing. All right, a lot of people are bothered by the well. I I, I kind of see it too. Um, certain people think that like Drew McIntyre. Okay. Drew McIntyre is somebody that's in the IC picture. Yeah. And he had his he had his moments with like Roman that mm. he ended up like the the Clash of the Castle thing. Yeah. I mean, was anybody really convinced that Roman was going to drop the title to Drew McIntyre? No, there's no way. I'm like thinking, fuck, man, this guy like was already, he was Triple H's fucking protege like yeah. when he came in. And now that they're back at it again, like they got a second chance with this dude and they're doing the exact same thing. They're fucking throwing him to, I don't know if they're throwing him to the wolves, but like he's ended up almost irrelevant once more like <laughs> wasted potential and, once more yeah but that's that's the nature of the beast and that's that's what happens too also when you have the situation that they're in with roman reigns being the fucking the champion for fucking three and a half years or whatever yeah so, and not to discount that or discredit it but that's the problem you run into is now you're you're making your the rest of your roster almost irrelevant mm-hmm. because now they're just gonna fight for lower fucking card titles which have definitely are not the same level of prestige as your world heavyweight title and then bringing back that fucking title that they gave or uh, that uh, uh what you call it they put on seth rollins not to discount seth rollins or anything but I don't know, man. That title just doesn't fucking mean anything. It just, to me, it just means, and I think I've said this before, it just, it's just an advanced fucking intercontinental title. Like, it's not, it's not a main title. The main title sits upon Roman Reigns, and yeah. and that's it. Until somebody takes it off of him. Are they all, trying to get him to beat Bruno Santino's record? I think they said they were trying to get him to beat Hogan's record. And they want, like, once Hogan, because, you know, Hogan's, I don't know, still on the outs or whatever. They're trying to erase him from things, so... Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I'm not 100% sure. Because Bruno San Martino, his, his fucking record was like seven years. So, it's like, like there's, four or five, something like that. Yeah, yeah there's no fucking way that the, Roman Reigns is going to. I mean, man, fuck, maybe there is a way. Especially though, now with the way that the UFC and WWE are now owned by the same company, <laughs> there's no way that they're going to let that go down. And, yeah. oh, God. You know what people are speculating is that Roman is going to hold the title for 1,400 days mm-hmm. for the fact that they have to renew their... If they're going to have network television as uh, where SmackDown's going to be placed, if they're going to make a deal with Fox once more, uh. that they need to draw people... Because, again, people are speculating that after the fact the title goes to somebody else that people aren't going to be interested they're not in gonna Smack- give a fuck. Yeah. about SmackDown. So to in order to keep viewership up... Roman has to hold the title for Another. a little a little bit longer, maybe yeah. a year or two, uh, to the point that he becomes he surpasses Hulk Hogan, um, and also again for the fear that if they renew a contract with Fox, that you know they have to keep viewership up. Right. Yeah. So they're going to keep the numbers up as long as Roman's champion. And to to kind of also tie in what you were saying earlier, the question earlier about what. How do we think this is going to affect the future of with the UFC and the WWE? I think that if this this company is smart, 
that they're going to heavily push cross promotion between the two in terms of having guys from the WWE that want to go over and maybe fight a couple matches that are interested in doing that. They're going to fucking let them. If, and it's gonna piss Dana White off because he yeah, hates the WWE. Right, he does. But who gives a fuck? Because this <laughs> is this this is a smart business move. Because and Dana White as a businessman should fucking appreciate this, and I'm he, sure he he's will. Get paid, yeah. Right. Well, because it's all it's gonna do is it's gonna provide legitimacy to the WWE, and it's gonna get more exposure for the UFC to an audience that likes watching people fight. That has a very huge audience in this because of this PG area. It's got a it's got a. Uh, a younger audience that's going to grow up oh, and become dude, yeah, older. That's a, that's a good point. So they're going to naturally transition. If they see all these assholes coming from, oh, who are these guys? They're from the UFC because I'm sure it's going to be blasted on every on their on the fucking banner when they walk out. I'm sure it's going to say UFC fighter some so and so is going to come in there. They'll wrestle a couple of matches. They'll have some feuds with some people, some big names, and that's where this mid card talent. That's what they're going to be utilized for. That like the, the, your Drew McIntyre's, your Sheamus's, your fucking uh, you know Seth Rollins is your Finn Balor's those guys are going to fight dudes that are within their technical weight class like in real life they're going to fight wrestle them in wrestling matches yeah like and mm-hmm. it'll be like if they actually do get into the UFC and I think it's kind of going to be the same thing that's happening with um, so like uh, is it like social media celebrities or uh-huh. kind of like the way Logan Paul joined, right. yeah, it'll be the same thing for wrestlers themselves to go like the way CM Punk went to UFC and tried right. a couple fights. Right, it's gimmicky, it's weird. Yeah, but you're like, you know what? I kind of want to see. What, I want to like, watch it. Yeah, I kind of want to see what Drew McIntyre's you know going to do gonna, in the ring. Yeah, because you know what it's going to do? It's going to make, like I said, those wrestling fans. They're going to go over because they see those guys over here. They're going to go watch this. They're going to order this seventy five dollar fucking pay per view, and then. You send a couple guys over from the UFC to have matches against dudes in the WWE on WWE programming. All those people are going to say, oh, well, shit, who are these guys? Maybe I want to watch these guys fight for real over here. Because, again, you got this, like, 10 to, like, 14-year-old or 8 to 14-year-old demographic that the WWE has, like, heavily been focusing on. Yeah. And over the last 10 years. Now, guess what? All those kids are becoming 18 to 26 fucking in that adult demographic. Yeah. And they're still watching the WWE. So you 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 want to coax them into watching UFC? This is how you do it. Man. And it's honestly, the, the company that that paid, I think they paid, this is probably the best decision they've fucking ever made because they're going to fucking increase the rev- revenue from both of these companies probably a shit ton by cross-branding them. Yeah. And it's gonna, they're going to make a fucking mint. I, will, I suspect within like five years, they will have made back all the money all they the paid. All the money that they paid for it. And yeah. maybe even then some. And yeah. everything after that is just going to be straight fucking profit. Yeah. Especially if they get that new deal with Fox, if they re-up that, you know, I mean, that's that's a billion dollar deal right there in yeah. itself, right? Yeah, well, even like the, well, just for the example of like Drew McIntyre being a dude that's fucking massive right right yeah what if he actually finds out that he can fight that's another thing too then you're then you're giving an opportunity for okay cool these guys can come on wwe programming they can wrestle wrestle a few matches they can train it's the perfect schedule to fucking do to do the ufc you only fight twice a year maybe three times a year at most if you're if you're uh, an undercard guy and you're trying to move up you fight two, three times a year and you do the rest of your shit on the WWE programming on the road. I mean, fuck man, you're, you're making a name for yourself and making even more money. Yeah. So I think it's a good opportunity for everyone involved. And especially with the way that WWE in the past has treated its wrestlers as independent contractors and kind of told them to fuck off. You know, I think this sort of kind of will give them a little better, you know, money making and stable check or whatever. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, you got these guys that maybe don't get featured on the 18 hours of television that WWE has a week to begin with, you know, and Hey, uh, guys like, uh, I don't know, Dolph Ziggler or fucking, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Tyler Breeze is still or Fandango. I don't know if those assholes are still around in here, but I I haven't seen them on TV in a while. So yeah, they could be like personalities or something, right? Just somebody that's an expert within the, you know, wrestling yeah. brand, but like explain but it to people and shit. Yeah. You got guys like that who know how to talk on the microphone and you, you can fucking put them doing any kind of fucking work over there in yeah. front of a camera, have them just cut promos, have them fucking be a, a fucking manager for somebody and fuck, you know, I, there's all kinds of shit you could yeah, do with that. Yeah. And I'm sure they would do fucking very well at it. So yeah, I think there's some, I think the, the future for pro wrestling in general 
I think it looks bright because all these things that the WWE is going to be doing with the UFC, more than likely, it's going to propel AEW to have to do what? They're going to have to innovate, too, to get people to Just come watch, to their people watch their shit. And then, like you said, with the media scrum thing, okay, so AEW innovated that. Now the WWE is copying it. Now WWE is probably going to end up doing it better just because they fucking have a... They know a, how to do it. Like, they, they're the machine. They, yeah, they are they, the machine, yeah. They're going to take what they did and do it even better. And that's cool because then guess what? AEW is going to have to come up with some new fucking Fandango shit. And they're going to say, hey, let me do this. Let me do that. Oh, cool. The WWE will take it and make it better and copy it and make it, make it even better. I don't know. So either way, it's going to provide hopefully some good opportunities for everybody and it's going to provide good entertainment for all of us who sit here and watch it so yeah uh, i don't know I'm, I'm, i think this is a good spot to end i think so frank you got anything else to say you look like you're about to die so anyways all right well this was the redo of the first episode so thank you the next uh four episodes two through five uh we recorded before this uh several weeks so we may have repeated some things that we've said so just know going forward from episode five on it's gonna be every time we record it it's coming out that same day or the next day after so yeah those topics are also uh like insulated from one another so like right anything we talk about it doesn't carry over to the next thing so it's like you can just enjoy each thing individually right yeah absolutely that's a great way to put it adam so anyways uh so thanks again for listening and uh, hopefully we'll uh we'll see you around for several other episodes and uh that's about it all right thanks that was another wonderful amazing powerful episode of the game rage wrestling podcast and take it from me ladies and gentlemen the natural lad jet swag if there's one podcast one show you should be listening to that you should be absolutely grateful for it's the game rage wrestling podcast and one of the things you can do to show your appreciation for all the hard work and dedication that these boys put out day in day out just for you people it's that you can go and you can subscribe and you can like and follow them on the instagram and the tiktok at game rage magazine you can also follow them and like them and subscribe to them on the old twitter which i don't know what it's called now but who cares it's at game rage mag there additionally if you feel the need to really show your appreciation which you should then go to their website at www.gameragemagazine.com and show us some love. Show them some love. And show some love for the natural lad, Jet Swag. <laughs>